Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with episode 152 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it's me, Carrick, with ACG. No cameras this week. Carrick was having a camera issue. I'd be the only one with a camera here right now. And I don't know if you <laughs> want to look at me in three still images. I don't find that an enticing viewer experience. So I decided to take some meme photos, deck out the overlay. And that's what we have for this week. So I hope you guys enjoy that. And now, as always, in every intro, if you guys want to support the Patreon, keeps the show running, a lot of awesome stuff in the pipeline for both Carrick and I, so thank you guys so much for supporting each of our respective Patreons, but also, it gets you early access to the podcast for $1, so skip a cup of coffee, boom, you're good to go, you get sexy podcasts for a month early, and it's on SoundCloud. If that's not your speed, there's also the iTunes and Google Play link, while they are a bit inconsistent, they've been getting better, and now... Let's dive into this week's news. So, Jason Schreier of Kotaku had a very interesting leak to bring to the games industry's attention. He said that he was doing some investigating at Hangar 13. He talked about them doing a spy game as well as a Mafia 4, which is quite interesting, uh, especially because Mafia 3 did well financially, at least. But it seems they've lost their way. Amidst his investigation, what the big piece of news that we're going to be talking about that stuck out to us was that there is a Bioshock game in development from a top-secret 2K studio. So this is an interesting leak that we're going to be talking about. I, for one, am excited just as a Bioshock fan. I know everyone right now is probably missing Lone a little bit because he'd be losing his shit in the moment. Yeah. (laughs) But we're going to try to fill that void. So, Carrick, what's your instant take? You hear Bioshock's being worked on by 2K again. The initial takeaway. I'm sort of glad that it's secret, mm-hmm. to be honest, because uh, we talked about this in that, that one podcast where we all talked about, I think you guys even did a separate podcast about like where Bioshock's next one, like what yes. you know, what world it would be good in. Yes. And the thing is, is the more secret they can keep it for the longer, I think the better, because it, once it, it does sort of have a huge fan following, so it's like it'll be nice to sort of see what they're doing once something is maybe at the point to where... Um, you know, they're a little bit more comfortable showing it. I'm glad there was no, like, leaked photo with it. I'm sure there will be at some point. But <laughs> it's just, it, to me, it's going to be more along the lines of where is it, like, yes. it, if that'll interest me, you know. Yeah, that's that's my thing. It's like I was excited, but I was also thinking, okay, now that we I'd, – I'd say no for sure just because Jason yeah. Schreier, regardless of your opinion on him, he has leaked things accurately many, 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 many times in the past where I, I will I will take this and treat it as information that we can discuss but, you know, I look at it and go, okay, so they are working on one now. They have a location in mind, which is the, I'd say, the biggest part of a Bioshock game. It's that initial setting, the first thing you see. Um, and it's like, okay, they have something in mind that they think is good enough to make a game around. It's like, what? Right? right. You know, are they going back to Rapture? Are they going back to uh, Columbia, I think it was called? Um, was it Columbia? Yes. Okay, just double checking. It's been a while since I've played Infinite. Um, you know, are they going underground? Are they are they going somewhere sci-fi in space? It's right. going to be very interesting to see what they try to pull together because Bioshock's known for two things. Like I said, A, it's location, and B, a mind-blowing revelation of some kind 
or at least an attempt to do so. And so that's where I'm left thinking, like, are they going to change up the DNA? Because, you know, this this series has been established for a while as a reputation of being something. Now new hands are entering it, and it's going to be probably years down the line. What I just what are your general expectations? I know we have very little to work with, but, you know, what are you what are you thinking when you think new Bioshock game? What's the mental image you're getting? Um, I will say this. I don't want them to go you like back to anything that they've done before. Mm-hmm. That would be my biggest hope. So to me, I, I think we talked about this. We were trying to figure out like, oh, is it space? You know, what? because you, there's a mimicry that happens in their narrative, which is like a unique hidden place, mm-hmm. you know, that no one knows about. Yes. So where else can you go? And in a little, a little bit like we talked about with Prey, like is it, would an expansion for Prey be on the moon? Like, would this game be... Because remember, you know, in the 1950s and 60s when everybody was doing the moon stuff and there was like, oh, you know, will there be colonization on the moon? You know, you could do some pretty crazy stuff with that, yeah. with space. Um, but if you don't do space, then they've never really pretended it was a fantasy world. So it, you would have to... If you look at Earth, there's only a couple, like, real things that they could do. And I'm not 100% sure... I would like, like, I'm not 100% sure I would understand, like, I would really get or be excited about another place earthbound. Hmm. You know, it's like, okay, you have floating, uh, a floating city. That's amazing. Like, I love the idea of that. And then you've got an underworld or underwater, which, let's be honest, is the most unexplored place, you know, for man anyway. Yeah. Where else do you, where else do you go? That's my confusion. Hmm. Or not my confusion, but my my thought process of why I'm thinking it could be something crazy, like propaganda from the 1950s, you know, turns out to be real. Yeah. My thought was also, does it have to be, you know, a crazy setting like this? There's plenty of unexplored stuff in the Bioshock lore. Like, uh, we, we look at in infinite, there's a part where you see the battle of New York transpiring. I think that's what it's called. Mm -hmm. And, it'd be interesting to be a part of that and see, you know, like how that all develops down there. Um, and, and so there's parts like that that you could base fractions of the game around. It's like, I think of it this way for those who out there who are Fallout fans and know their lore. Um, I know a lot of people are like, well, imagine if, if Fallout was set during the resource wars and it, it was basically what happened was everyone was, it's exactly what happened was in the name itself. Everyone was fighting for the remaining resources on earth. And there's a, a little story behind it. It's very interesting but yeah. it, it, it's not Fallout at that point, so it, it removes some of the Fallout DNA because it's not post-apocalyptic. There's no mutants, um, stuff along those lines. So would it change the very core of the series and essentially be just a first-person shooter? Bioshock doesn't really have that issue where if you float around in the different areas of the lore and you go like, all right, let's 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 do a game where we, we actually at one point see the Battle of New York and we're a part of it. Um, a lot of Bioshock is also its events, like any good story. Um, and how how they are executed. So I wonder if it could be something in-universe that has been discussed briefly, like we've seen oh, in other right. games, uh, right. but, but they haven't taken that full dive to it yet. Yeah, see, I don't know the history as much as you and um, you and Lone do, mm-hmm. so it's like I don't know as much about where, where they would put it. See, so to me, it's all about location. Like, they could have it tied into those games. They could They could not have it tied in, but... If they do or don't, like what? I, to me, Bioshock is always about. It's going to sound weird. It is about its revelation for sure. But to me, it's actually about also like the visual 
of this unique place, right? Okay. So underwater, the water, the way it worked, uh, the look of everything. And then you have, you know, this floating fucking city and the weirdness of that and the almost um, cartoonish color, color circus 1950s look of, of that. I don't know where they would put it on Earth that would excite me. Does that okay. make sense? Yes. Like, absolutely. I, that, so that's why I keep thinking space. I would love for somebody to come up with a better idea. Some, I, I do know one person was like, what about like a volcano city, like inside a volcano, like an mm-hmm. evil lair? And I'm like, okay. But really by then, you're really repeating Star Wars where it's like, <laughs> oh, we're going to have a desert planet. We're going to have a forest planet, a, you know, a Good snow boy. planet. You know what I mean? So um, Antarctica, there were... I always like to go and look at history because Bioshock does like to mimic it in some way. They like to sort of play off it a little bit like Fallout. So in there were rumors for years that the Nazis had an Antarctica city, not just a base, which they were known for, but a city, like a massive city. There were like rumors about it. that you, Yeah. So it's like, could you have, an, you know, a snow, this hidden giant city in the snow? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you could do that. And I would... Probably be more for that than anything other than space. Okay. That's actually a very interesting point, and I think you might have hit on something there. Um, I also, you, you, you mentioned something about how, like, the universe was exciting because, for example, the water, how it works with the universe in Rapture. Yeah. And it was like, you know what? That's a good point because I think, uh, for example, holy crap, my house is loud right now. I think, oh, uh, for example, um, in the beginning of Bioshock 1, okay, an airplane crashes right, or part of an airplane, I'm sorry, crashes right into this tunnel that you're trying to use to enter into rapture and it's like you know that that's an instant danger not just because an airplane is is you know tumbling your way but also because if it hits where you are at it's not just like oh building's gonna crumble i can run away from this it's like no water is going to flood this area now i cannot return here it brings about a unique atmosphere and danger within its own universe that certain locations can't if i'm making any sense there so that's the other point that I wanted to, I wanted to touch on again, but yeah, I think a snow city, that would be, hmm, that's the one that definitely like catches my attention. Well, sure. and you were talking about you know uh, it, water and it being dangerous and stuff, and then you look at the you know floating city and you have your hook that you're sliding, you know, so they're they're sort of showing the the fiction is sort of represented within the graphics mm-hmm. and the way everything looks, and you you know you're sliding between areas, and that becomes the gimmick of that game, you know, I think, uh, you know, the original, the gimmick was the little sisters. I would, I would assume that's the major gimmick there and water. And then you have air and the hook and all the things that go with that. So it's like snow. There are some things you could do. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I I was like. You know how kids, (laughs) you know how kids slide down the snow on the shovels. Did you ever see that? Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, I was just thinking, you know, what could you do with snow? You could do some things, what would be hilarious or really cool is like, you know, building. Well, I was thinking like camouflage, putting up like a snow wall real quick, building an igloo. But the thing is, you never quite know what they're going to do with the power. That's going to be the biggest thing. Like, because once you understand how they're going to base their powers, then you can understand if snow makes sense yeah. or if 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 space makes sense, because if gravity becomes a thing like I could see it being, you know, you're in the 1950s space suit. Instead of the water underwater scuba suit from the original, you're in the spacesuits, which, funny enough, looked a lot alike. Mm-hmm. And you're like shooting people who are flying off into space, screaming. You know, I'm like, geez, that could be fucking awesome, depending yeah. on what tools you had. Also, 
you'd want to create a setting that makes sense of why people would secede to there. Like, exactly. you know, okay, a city that goes up into the sky. Yeah, I want to, yeah, let's do that, man. Or a city that's underwater where it's all about opportunity and the hardest worker yep. gets his due. It's like, yeah, yeah, let me go there. It's like, why would I want to freeze my nuts off, right? Like, why would, yeah, true. Why would true. I want to go there? What does that place have to offer? Um, that, that'll be interesting to see. And I think, you know, the idea you said, like, of a Nazi city in, in uh, Antarctica, like, you know, turn that into Bioshock terms, like, there's some type of cult there, yep. something along those lines, uh, and you're almost infiltrating that. Uh, I know that's a little bit of a repeat with the, the false shepherd in, in Colombia, but I think there is room for opportunity there. Right. Um, it, it's just, that's the thing, is, like, I'm excited to see this Bioshock game because I, I don't know if they're going to, when they show this game for the first time, it's going to, I'm going to have that, why didn't I think of that type of idea? That is exactly. so smart. Exactly. Or yeah. is it going to be like, wow, that's what they came up with. You know, it, it's like, I can't imagine them going back to Columbia or Rapture. Yeah. Uh, if they go back to Rapture a third time, I'm going to be stunned, but Columbia would also be almost as shocking. So it, it's, it's like one of those things where I feel like if they're actually going to make a Bioshock game, I just feel like they have to have this unique, idea and thing that they want to execute that can only be done in bioshock right you know it's right it's one of those situations so also I'm curious to see did you i know you didn't like it well as much as i you didn't hate it or anything but prey at times had a bioshock feeling what i mean mm-hmm. by that is they tried to they, they tried a, a unique narrative they tried a twist they tried some unique powers that go with the the location and the narrative which yes. i think Bioshock tried to do, or it did bitter. But I I could see them also trying something where it's like, and this is sort of a repeat of Fallout, so this is why I haven't brought it up before, but it's like, do they do like an underground city? You know, like a full, not a small city, but you don't follow this, but there's a D&D game, um, uh, Forgotten Realms, and there's a city called Menzo Baranzin, which is an, a massive, massive underground city. Like, so high that you almost can't see the, the, the top of the cave. That kind of stuff. Like, do you do something like that? Because, I, dude, I, I, I don't see them returning, but I also think that we've probably guessed at least around it because you can. there's only so much left. Like, if we were talking about this after number one, we could say it'll be water or maybe, a, you know, in the sky or in, you know, it's like you, you sort of eat up more ideas as you go forward in the series. Mm-hmm. And I think once you look at Floating City, you check that off. You look at Underwater, you check that off. There isn't a lot, you know... I mean, there there aren't a ton of of more uh, like options there. At least it feels like that to me. Yeah, exactly. So I think it, it generalizes around a core theme of like a, a type of weather or a type of yeah, right something or, that, and, and from there they build into that and and or build off of that, I should say. Um, so that's the thing is that we we definitely had to have I feel touched on something with like yeah. space, yeah. gravity volcanoes lava you know underground rock is like what are they going to build off of snow that type of thing i'm very 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 curious and that's the only thing i can say it's like is there anything else you can go off of that not really because we don't know what studio from 2k um we could speculate on that a little bit though i mean it's like i I know lone had one time speculated oh it's got to be hangar 13 I personally didn't agree with that because I was like, no way. They're, yeah, either did I. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't feeling that one. But um, if it's someone from 2K, do you think this is a brand new studio? I'm, I'm guessing. You know, I don't know if he was saying like top secret studio, as in like, they, yeah, like they're they're out there, but no one knows they're working on this. Or did he mean like 
a brand it's, new studio. It sounded to me like a brand new, you know, how, you know, like if you have a studio that can do three games and two games get done, you're building one mm. and then and then you're jumping into another and they're moving around. And I would assume that we're just talking about a studio where other, you know, like people from different studios come together. In turn. I mean, that's usually the smartest way to do it, too, because you have DLC for some games. So you have to leave some of your team here yeah. and, move. you know, so um I would assume that what you're looking at is a top secret team that is made of, I'm sure, many of the same people who worked on any prior games that are like that and anybody who was available. So, But I would assume it is a full new name. I, like, I don't think it's Hangar 13. No, and it didn't know. sound like it from, from the info. And it didn't sound like it from the one rumor we heard almost half a year ago or whatever. I think there was a rumor that started you, me, and Lone even talking about this, if I remember right. There was a reason why we talked about it in the podcast. I just don't remember why. But I thought it was because there was another, there was this rumor already that somebody at 2K, there was like a team at 2K working on this. I don't remember so. that. I just remember us talking about it because I feel like it. See, that's the issue with having having Loan around is that he would talk about Bioshock so much that we. Oh, <laughs> maybe it just popped that up. It would gotcha. just pop up yeah. and we're probably okay. just mixing that up with a, a, a rumor now. Right, right. <laughs> Totally makes sense. But um, regardless, I, I'm I'm curious to see how yeah. far do you think this might be in development. You know, like if you could take a wild mm. guess, it's been since 2013 that we saw Infinite. I, I wouldn't be sh- surprised if they went, oh yeah, it's taken us five years to come up with the proper setting and, and whatnot for this game. It would not surprise me in the slightest. But still, I want to get your take on it. Do you think uh, this is something maybe it's been in development for a couple of years? Yeah, probably, because I would assume, uh, you know, take one, most likely, they're going to decide, like you said, on a power, you know, something that's unique for their game world, and then you have to build the engine around it. Even if it's your original engine, you have to make some adjustments to it and go, okay, it's going to be underwater, right? Or it's going to be in the air, and those things are going to matter less or matter more, this certain graphics type, what we're doing. So I would assume 2016 is probably when they started preliminary stuff, and then as long as Akin... You know, Levine isn't involved to stop it halfway through and say, you know, we're restarting. That's that's another thing is like it probably hasn't restarted. So that's what's going to be really interesting to me is so it might be coming around quicker. Yeah, it might be cut. Exactly. Yeah. And it might. And, and does quicker mean less whatever, like less cool because sometimes destroying stuff and starting over makes sense. I don't know. But it, I think, yes, I think it's probably going to be quicker than we think like I would not be surprised if you know it was next year at the latest but that's just me it just it yeah. feels like something where they could just be like hey guess what you know why we might have talked about it okay I think I know it, it just came to mind um, 2k had said they were working on um, a game an unannounced game for one of their oh, their most uh, previously established series, yes, yeah, yeah. something like that. So I think we were talking about Borderlands and Bioshock, and we were like, yeah. "Which is it?" And I think you, I think it's Borderlands, but it could have been Bioshock. And I think that's where we said, "Like, okay, if it is Bioshock, what are we doing with that?" Right, right. Borderlands is another interesting one, though, because I'm, I'm surprised that hasn't had any any leaks, despite how transparent Gearbox has been about that game. So. And Microsoft that's bought the marketing last month. Yeah, so you're, you're, I'm thinking that's going to be at E3. So am I, yeah. And it's going to be like an Xbox you know, exclusive reveal kind of thing. 
yeah, they'll just show it. You know, it, it certainly will. Just, I mean, it'll be on all things, but it might be like Sony where they have like a special suit or, you know, a gun manufacturer that's just for Xbox. Who knows what they'll do? Maybe it'll just be the fact that they're showing it on that. But yeah, that's I would I assume we'll see it in D3. Kind of like an Assassin's Creed Unity, just they're going to show yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll see. I'm thinking, yeah, Borderlands soon, Bioshock next year. That sounds about right to me. And now we move on over to a different type of sea. Sea of Thieves. It just got its first content batch announced, and we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. Little flat. It's called The Hungering Deep. It's dropping in May. It's going to bring a new AI threat for crews to work together to defeat. In the summer, the Cursed Sails, which includes a new ship type, and the Forsaken Shores, which both include new gameplay mechanics, AI threats, and rewards, will be dropping as well. So... You've played a lot of Sea of Thieves. I've played about five-ish hours of the game, and I had seen enough. I enjoyed my time with it personally. Um, but I think that showed how little content there was that, you know, okay, I, I got this through the Xbox Game Pass program, and within five hours I was like, I had a good time, but, you know, I, I can already tell there's nothing else left for me here. Um, do you think this is a Band-Aid over a much bigger issue? And they're kind of rushing it out, we'll say, because of the initial response, because that was my takeaway. Yeah, it. Uh, that's my takeaway, too. I guess, to be, play devil's advocate just for a second, mm-hmm. even though I don't even though I don't believe this, I believe what you and I are saying is probably a little bit more accurate. There is the possibility, too, that they are just so nervous about, about what is going on that they do have plans, but one of the things that occurs with the current gaming society now is you can't walk anything back. Not to be rude, but gamers do not allow it right now. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. We just there's so so much angst on people's part that they don't allow you to walk anything back. You can't say we're doing this once the ball gets rolling. You're fucked if if people misconstrue what you're saying. So there is a chance that they they did say the name. What you and I both noticed was the oddity of the writing in the uh, and and it's weird that you myself and then on our podcast earlier somebody was like what is with this writing and they are not a youtuber like they're a it was really surprising to hear everybody mention how it was like special stuff's happening in the future at some point and you're like mm-hmm. okay that's odd so i think we're right but i mean there is the possibility too that they have a very definitive plan and that it is simply they don't want to say much right now because of even what we're doing right now, you know, yeah, and d- just the point. talking. No, I it think that's a, that's a good point. You don't have to apologize for being devil's advocate because that's exactly the perspective we need. Because my initial question was going to be, why do you think they're being so vague on like, okay, it's a new AI threat. It's like, okay, what is this AI threat? Why are crews banding together to take it down? Are you yeah. adding more information into the universe? Like, see, exactly. Like, we're picking these these. Uh, pieces of information apart and and it might be that they are intentionally being vague, keeping the curiosity of the consumer, not letting them decide too early whether or not they're hopping in. Yeah. And so come May, there's a better chance for people to hop on board, uh, pardon the pun. But I'm also, it's kind of uh, exciting in a way because I look at, let's take a look at Battlefront 2. A game that a month after launch it got new heroes and, and now it just got it hasn't had new patches and, and stuff like customization, but uh, in my opinion, it's been very hollow. Um, but in the terms of new heroes, uh, aside from today, got a big patch. There hasn't been anything else. Right. We look at that. That's That came out in November. 
And then we look at Sea of Thieves just came out, you know, a month ago. Yeah. Not even. I think it was like three weeks now. And it's already getting announcements for in May. You know, it's going to have a, a big update, apparently. And then yeah. in the summer months, it's going to have a couple more updates. Um, do you think they were prepared to already add more content? Do you think they were speeding this up a little bit more because um the the that reaction that they received because i think it's a mixture of both i think they were like already had some stuff planned on the side um especially because the rumor had been that rare knew they were like there isn't much in this game it's a fun game but there isn't much there so i just want to know your your general takeaway of of looking at the instant content support for this game versus another title that uh had big issues and didn't have its instant support so, uh, personally, I still feel, I don't know, dude, I still feel like Sea of Thieves, something was hinky with the release. Mm-hmm. And I, like, almost like Microsoft just said, like, scale-bound, we're not going to cancel you, but you need to just, we just need to fucking get this thing out the door. Like, we're just, you know, we're just putting money in. But here's a, here's a question back to you before I answer. Okay. Do you think it's possible Star Wars Battlefront did not do more updates because they were having such an issue with their microtransaction complaints. And that's where all their programming time went. Because that's also possible. Mm-hmm. Because they, they they got destroyed. Destroyed enough that there's rumors that they are losing the Star Wars IP. So it, it may not be a one-for-one one or a zero-sum game where it's like, oh, because of this, that. There might be something where there's sort of a mix on both teams where they've had you know weird reactions. And I don't know with Star Wars because I agree with you. I think it, the updates and stuff are pretty shallow, and and also yet, spread apart more. More is what I was focusing on. You oh, know, but, you mean time wise? Yeah, yeah time wise. That's true. Because we're you bring looking up a good four, point that months. they were probably focusing on like how are we going to fix the microtransaction things? So. Yeah, it might have stopped a lot of develop. I mean, it could have like, and then you also go, okay, we have to fix that. But does that change stuff? Does that change the DLC? Does that you know? So I don't know, but I I would say. Personally, to me, Sea of Thieves seems like there's something really odd with the release. Mm-hmm. And this, I mean, this, it, it's its not that early of a um, of a news article. Like, if you read their, their posting to everybody, it's not like this is coming 16 months from now, yeah. right? It's coming fairly, yeah, and yet they are fairly vague. So that does sort of feed into what you were saying, which is like, you know, maybe did, was it ready? Maybe they're pushing something forward that isn't ready because mm-hmm. there were so many complaints. I, do, I don't know, dude, because I'm telling you right now, I think if you and I were working there, we're just fucking pounding away as secretaries, just doing nothing but getting coffee. If we saw that game before it was released, even we would know there wasn't a lot of content. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't think point. anybody I don't think anybody gets out of there without knowing that. So that to me indicates that maybe there was an issue and so that's why this is weird because maybe it's something they planned on doing later. I don't know. It's goddamn. It's a weird release, dude. Yeah. It's a weird game. So, as for the content itself, because it's vague, that leads to speculation. So we're talking yeah. a new AI threat, new gameplay mechanics, uh, mm-hmm. and a new ship type. What comes to mind for you? Because I look at that AI threats. I think of some crazy sea monsters new gameplay mechanics, that's where I start to struggle, because I think, you know, if anything, this game does, you know, the, the cohesion of your ship unit working together, I, I think they do that very well, where I don't know what they could add to the ship, maybe more weapons, but then that kind of overlaps with the new ship type that we were 
also going to be getting an accursed sales update. Um, so when you look at those three things mm-hmm. they're bringing to us and rewards, which you know I, I'd say, oh boy, but you know, is it like a golden bucket now? <laughs> is it gonna? Is it still gonna cost you eight thousand? Yeah, gold yeah. That's the other thing is I didn't know it's an address of pricing of of content reward. They didn't seem to tackle the hard hitting issues with the game. They just said we're adding more. So anyway, back to the original question though. What what are your initial thoughts on on an AI threat? What could that be? A new ship type as well as these new gameplay mechanics. I don't know about you, but I would rather have it be enemy more NPCs Mm -hmm. in ships because there isn't any except for like some story stuff that which isn't even really story stuff. So it's like when you travel around, you know it's going to be a human and in a ship and the fact is is it's not the best it's not the best server system i don't think you don't get a lot like at least i felt that Mm -hmm. i could sail for a long time and not bump into anybody so i would i would certainly like it if they had like a war zone area or areas where maybe there was a chance of npcs maybe on your map it's like here there be monsters what have you and you know you know that those places are a little bit more dangerous right so if i go there i could meet an npc (coughs) ship because right now, and I don't, I don't think you need to win anything if you kill the ship, but right now there isn't that. Right now, what you have is a system based on using the players to create the content and yet having, not having enough content to cause the players to play. Mm-hmm. So you and I, the chance of us seeing ships is going to be less and less since day one, unless some, magically they're gaining in subscriber numbers. Uh-huh. So I think the uh, my hope is that's where the filling is. The, the monsters are great, but I still hope that they're. I want shipped battles, yeah. like that's what I want. It's surprising though. Now that you say that, I never thought of that. Now, and granted, my playtime with this game is is very minimal, much less. But, yeah, but right. still, it's it's very surprising when you point that out that that wasn't something in the game like AI exactly. ships. Um, they do. There are raids that you can perform, but. Right. My only experience with the raid was we we stole from a, another ship their raid. They they were just <laughs> leaving and we took them out. It was it was epic. That's the thing. This game has those epic moments, yeah. um, and it was an absolute blast. I was playing with patrons, and yeah, like I said, we we jacked all their stuff. We had like eight thousand gold worth of stuff. We had to sail through a sea storm to to get back, and and we lost like the ship that respawned. It, it chased us through it. And we managed to lose it. It, it was a really cool moment. Um, and, and those moments can amplify the experience if, yes, there are those AI ships out there that offer an additional combat, an, an additional threat to the world. And it, also, more importantly, I think additional rewards, money coming in to afford such pricey objects, even if they are just cosmetic. Yeah, but when right. you add the the discussion of a new ship type, do you think this is a step forward to start adding stuff that changes the, the gameplay itself? Maybe a, a ship with a better battering ram, we'll call it. And, you know, if you directly ram a ship, it'll do more damage to the foe and maybe sink them a bit quicker. Um, do you think that's stuff that they're starting to consider now? Or do you think this new ship type is once again cosmetic? I think, and I can't, I don't, I wish I wasn't saying this. I I think what it probably is going to be is it's going to be tied into the new bad guys, and it's going to be one of those things where it's like capital ships against other capital ships. Like, I'm a little nervous the new ship is going to be based around the new enemies they're talking about. And so it won't be 
oh, it's going to be wholly brand new with brand new stuff when you're normally sailing around, which it, it, it will in the case that it's a new, it looks new, right? It, it might have different number of people, different number of cannons. But I just have this sinking feeling it'll be one of those things. You know how a, like a wow will be all, go to this new land and get this new race. I have this sinking feeling Sea of Thieves is going to be, go to this new bay and get this new boat. And there's one new enemy to fight with this new boat that if you have the new boat, you get a, you know, it's a little easier or something like, and that to me is like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like that's, because I think the core problem is the core gameplay. Like you said, they talked about all these other things, but they didn't talk about the price loop. The price loop is fucking broken in that game. Like, yeah. it's it's weird. And so I don't know, dude. And, and it, even it, if you pretty much break the game by, like, uh, like I said, I was playing with patrons and... Uh, yeah, stealing see, their money. No, no, no. James, oh. he, he showed me, uh, like, how you can keep, like, canceling and reaccepting a, a mission with, like, capturing chickens. So you'd have, like, 20 chicken cages on your ship. <laughs> gotcha. And, and yeah, you'd, like, go to different islands. You'd grab as many golden and red striped chickens or whatever they're called as you could. And you take them all back and turn them in continuously with that quest active, and then you you'd make tons of money. Oh, gotcha! Be, but you're you're breaking the game. That's the thing. You're breaking the game to make it a actual fun experience that rewards you properly. And and that is, I think, that speaks incredible amounts of volume about what is wrong with this game. Yeah. I don't mean to say it. I apologize because a viewer called me out on this, and I have a horrible habit habit of it saying amount of volume. I'm trying to cut that out. If you're listening to this right now, I am sorry. Amount of volume. They're, yeah. they're bothered by that? Yeah. <laughs> so I think I think the big issue is that there's probably some people who are totally happy with whatever they've got, right? Like I, I did have some defenders and stuff So it's, when I did my review. So I'm sure there's people who like what they're playing. But even somebody like Paper Bag uh, on, your, on the Discord mm-hmm. who does like it, he does or likes elements of it, but you would never, ever, ever, ever hear them defend half the shit that goes on. Yeah. And so, and one of the shit is is the lack of of content. What you described about getting money, when you break it down, you basically took a boring quest, chicken collecting, and more bored yourself to get more money. Like that's not the kind of interaction I want with a game. To go, oh, okay, we collected more chicken. Okay, whatever. That's still just collecting chickens. Like, that's the problem, is the game doesn't have... It doesn't have... Once you do one thing, all the other stuff you'll do is two things or three things or four things. And I didn't see anything in this update where it sounded like that was going to change. And that's the one thing that would get me to go back, is if it did. If they were like, okay, we have new mission types, tons of them, they're more complex. If you choose to do so, you can still do the simple ones. But I didn't see anything that even indicates that's happened. Hmm. Yeah. I'll, I assume in the coming weeks we will know all the answers to these questions we're asking right now. And that'll be interesting in its own right. That'll, that'll spark yet another Sea of Thieves discussion, and uh, we'll be right on top of it. And now... We move over to the backwards compatibility of the Xbox One, which is a flourishing program, and they are bringing in the big guns. Yeah. Elder Scrolls Three: Morrowind, Jade Empire, Republic Commando, Battlefront 1 and 2, KOTOR 2, KOTOR 1 was last update, 
for those who are dying to play it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there, that is it. That I mean, that that is on top of a bunch of other games. I think there was like Prince of Persia, Red Blink, Dead, Red Dead, uh, Blinks the Time Sweeper. Uh, those are the only ones that really come to mind right now. Regardless, we're going to talk about the big guns here. We're going to break down each one specifically why people should get to them. I can't speak as much on Morrowind. I, I like the game. I am starting my playthrough when backwards compatibility is available. Uh, from what I have experienced, it is good. Um, I like the the music itself is incredible, but also yeah. I like the role playing elements. It's a very uh, as I've grown older and wiser, I have come to appreciate certain elements that I normally wouldn't have uh, in video games. But have you played a lot of Morrowind in your day? Yeah, yeah, I beat Morrowind a couple times. All right. Morrowind's Morrowind's it. just more crunchy than what we're used to. Like a Skyrim is more. It's it's made for the current gaming fan mm-hmm. that we have. You know what I mean? Like yeah. sort of. It's sort of. It's more of an instant reward. I mean, even the location. For example, when you start in Skyrim, I hope I'm not ruining it for anybody. It's been out for 18 fucking years. It feels like, but it. You know, you have a dragon attack and a fucking city on fire. It's like Michael Bay's starting for a fantasy game. But when you go to Morrowind, you literally start on a boat in a little tiny town. Yep. And they're all, hey, they're all, hey, you know, who are you? And you type in your name, and then it's like, okay, you're in town. And there's just a couple people there, and you're like, fuck, okay. They're, it, it's, a, it's a completely different feeling, I, the more yeah, sedate. I noticed that. I, I, I played it on my PC just to get a feel for it again. And um, when I fired it up, like I was kind of reading the fine text, you know, like, Right at the end, when you you leave after registering your, your yeah. race and your class and everything, they're like saying like, "Oh, you could do this, this, and that." You're on your own now. Good luck. And I'm thinking to myself, like, put myself in the shoes of someone playing this in 2003 when it first dropped. No game like this before. And they're like, "Yeah, you're on your own. Good luck." And you hit an A. You go, "Okay, I'm fine." And you look to your right, and you just see like a big world, and yeah. you know, or rather, a small town that a big world behind it. And you're like, "Okay, I'm gonna leave the town." And you see signposts pointing you to a million and one cities, and you're like, where the fuck? What is happening? Like, I can't begin to imagine what that game was like to experience when it first came out. And I will say this much. I did play it when it first came out, and I remember the beginning so fondly. But outside of that, I, I had no idea what I was doing. I played a ton of Morrowind, and the furthest I got was all I remember is this, folks. Someone help me out here. I crossed a big stone bridge a flying mandrake type of thing fought me. I killed it. I went into some type of location that had lava, and my character got stuck. I kept dying there, so I had to put in some type of cheat code that would max out your health, and then I stopped playing. If anyone can tell me where they are, where I was, I will give you a spot on the podcast to to join us (laughs) in our next episode, (laughs) because I have no fucking clue. But uh, anyway, that's my short story with Morrowind. So you've played it a couple of times. Yeah. I agree, though. It is more raunchy, I guess we'll say, because you can whiff on, on attacks. That's a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you can it, – it just – it's a little bit more dangerous. It's going to be interesting to see how they updated it because backwards compatibility, there's the two types. There's the backwards compatibility and then the enhanced. And the, one of the issues with – uh, Morrowind is its draw distance isn't the greatest. It's got a lot of pop in, but it also has one of the enemies that has become like a joke. Which are the what are they? Silt Striders? No, 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 no. The other one, the flying pterodactyl. Um, oh yeah. fuck, uh, that might have been the thing I fought on that bridge. Yeah, and and um, it's 
Are you still there? Yeah, sorry. Oh, okay. No, that's right. Um, and so it it's like that'll be interesting to see what has changed there, like graphically, how they go about things. I think that it's an emptier world because it's if you even understand the location, it, it I mean, it's not as like lush as a Skyrim. Skyrim's more of the foresty. So that'll be fun to see. It'll be fun to explore it. But I think with Morrowind, when you jump into it, you just have to... So, for example, Morrowind allows little things that you would not see except for maybe a Piranha Bytes game now, an Elix. So, for example, when you gave uh, merchants your clothing, when you sold them clothes, they would check to see if your clothes you sold them were better than theirs. They would put them on. And so you, so you gave them a, a helmet, and he'd be like, oh, you know, you'd sell it to him." Instantly, the game would check, say, oh, this helmet's better than the one I have on, and they would put it on, and you could not buy it back. <laughs> so they'd be wearing your helmet. It was hilarious. There were, so there were these sort of iron core, and I don't know if that ever got patched out. It wasn't when I was playing it. Um, but that's, that's the cool elements. There were these darker elements to it. They were a little bit more gritty for back in the day, which is, I think, everybody was accustomed to. Like, you know, yeah. we weren't expecting a Skyrim. So... To me, it's just fantastic. Music's fucking awesome. Um, gameplay, there's some hilarious moments in that game. There's some really cool cities. It's just going to be it's gonna be fantastic to go back and play it. I don't know if I'll beat it again because it's a long fucking game. Yes, but it is. Um, it's, it's certainly a game I wish they did if there was ever a remaster. I think you were in the discussion. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. But in your yeah. Discord. We were like, what games would you want to see as a remaster? And for me, without a shadow of a doubt, it's Morrowind. I agree. Or, and, and Daggerfall. I like Daggerfall even more, but I don't don't know if that'll be possible. Is that the one that's procedurally generated, or is that Arena? Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, it's procedurally generated for the uh, dungeons. And stuff. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay. Um, yeah, Morrowind for me. I, I, it's also funny. You say there are hilarious moments, and so it reminded me of... I'm just inserting this here real quickly to let you know. Spoiler warning, I'm talking about a random event that happens in the beginning of Morrowind in case anyone hasn't played it before. Another thing, one of the first things you can see in this game is if you leave Sanin and, <laughs> and you make the left, yeah. you walk down a pathway and some guy just falls out of the sky. Once again, I, I think of this is someone in 2003 experiencing for the first time. like that To do that as a game developer, that's like such a fuck it move in a way. Because, you know, he falls, you see a, a journal on the ground, you find out, like, he's jealous of his friends or, or someone was making fun of him or something because he couldn't fly or whatever. So he makes this whole spell to, to have these insane jumps. And then you can pick it up and, and suffer the same fate as him if you don't have, like, the right spells on you to keep you from not dying when you fall. And I, I just found that incredible. And, and yeah. once again, re-experiencing that, you know, you're just making a left out of the beginner village and all yours, ah, and just someone collapses on the ground from the sky in front of you. It's one of the most jarring things that you can experience in a video game, and uh, I might have just ruined that for a couple of people if they haven't. I was played actually Marlin. just so you know, I was I was just looking at the time, going, "Hmm, we're fifty two in." I don't know if you want to put that down as a spoiler, just because it is becoming backwards compatible, and so some people may have never experienced it. Yes, I, I, it's I will such do that. a it's so known, but it's all you know. You never know because people are coming into the industry every day. Uh, it's I, I can't wait, man. Like that's of all the backwards compatible ones, uh, other than Red Dead. There's a reason why I actually did a video on that one. But overall, it's that's one of the most one of the biggest that I'm excited for. Yes. So as for the other backwards compatible titles, Jade Empire. We've talked about old school Bioware plenty. Oh yeah, our favorite. Jade Empire is an interesting game. Uh, for those of the who, who love gaming and who, who love to see how companies develop. 
Jade Empire is a very unique title, in my opinion, because when you sit down and play, you can see the crossroads that Bioware was at. This was kind of like when they first started turning into more of the action RPG, yeah, and less of the, for sure. the KOTOR, the, the Neverwinter, I think it's called, like, you know, those types of RPGs, um, Dragon Age Origins as well. And you could see Jade Empire was almost like the, the Dragon Age 2 of that time. Yeah. Um, and so it's very interesting because at that point, Jade Empire had excellent role-playing, and it had that fun action combat. Um, so you can see they kind of had a good mesh there, and it almost makes you understand what they were doing when Dragon Age 2 comes around. So I, I really recommend that those out there who have not played Jade Empire, I was one of them until just late last year, uh, definitely get around to it, because it, it shows kind of how Bioware has changed over the years, and it's it's a very interesting case study. Yeah, for sure. What do you think about Jade Empire? I know you love it, but uh, any specific moments, any any reason why someone should want to check it out, other than what I've said? The, I, I thought the I thought the twist was fun. The bad guys were fun, but I also thought like the fact that different martial arts that you could get in the game were they weren't locked. It was that you had to do specific things to get them. Mm-hmm. And and since if you consider in a mini way that a martial art is a class. If that, that's probably the easiest comparison you can make. Um, I like the fact that those classes you continued to unlock as you played the game. You didn't just start and go, I want to be Dragon Paw or fucking, you know, Iron Claw or whatever, and mm-hmm. that was it. You actually, there were very specific martial arts you could unlock, and, and, and one of them that you can unlock it quite early, but, but its use sort of gets bigger and bigger as you play is the impromptu, which allows you to grab like bar stool. Uh, you can like smash if you're in an area and shit gets smashed. You can like grab bar stools, uh, bar stool uh, legs, and use them like a scrim of sticks, and just little things like that. That there was an interaction that wasn't really necessarily there in any other game. Like in in for example, in in a Star Wars, you don't grab. You know, for the most part, you don't grab shit off the ground and huck it at people. No, you don't. So uh, the real time combat, brutally, I would totally agree with you. It, it shows some deficiencies, like. I don't know about you, but in Jade Empire, understanding distance in that game is hard sometimes. Oh, yeah. you'll, like, you'll do your front flip forward, and you'll attack, and you're missing, and you're like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, like the I, first two hits never connect. Oh, yeah. Like dodge you, over them. It's, it's a yeah, weird you're, thing. You're always like a third, you know, like 13 inches too far away from the dude. You're like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. But it's like the, the action the, version of Morrowind, where I was just talking about how you whiff in right. that game, and you, you whiff in Jade Empire a lot, too. Yeah, yeah, you definitely do. Until you sort of figure out, and even then, it, it, figure out how to attack people, and then you have a couple ranged martial arts. I also like how the martial arts, some of them were mystical, and some were much more... Mm-hmm. They, they, they were all mystical at some junction, but like the uh, Iron... I can't... Fuck it. I play this hundreds of times. I can't remember the name. The Iron Claws, the, the claw one. You'd a punch person, and then you'd, you know, the claws would come out, and you'd be like, okay, that's somewhat magical. But then later you can get the powerful ones and then combo enemies. Yes. And so, you know, freeze them, leap up in the air, smash them, they explode, and you have area of attacks. Uh, area, so, you know, you get like your area attack, your larger attacks where you can freeze all the enemies around you. Mm-hmm. Just, and I don't know if I told you this, I think I did, but there's the mod for the PC version that unlocks a bunch of hidden martial arts that they didn't get to put in the game oh, that are there. That. Yeah, so there's Elephant. There's like six martial arts, including, I don't want to ruin it for anybody because this is a great game, but there's the particular, there's a, a ghost. Uh, and 
a, a murder, and there's there's a martial art actually hidden there that you can get if you get the mod that they had fully there. So your character animates and everything. They just didn't get a chance to bug test it and put it in. So there's a lot in that game. A little bit like Kotor too. There's yeah. a lot there that's that you can't get to officially. Yeah, I, I personally I don't want to spoil anything as well. I look at some of the side quests in that game that you could experience. Uh, two areas I will say is one was um, one was at like a pirate's cove, and there was oh choice, yeah, yeah, that, that you could make that could go out three separate ways, and it was a complete side objective. But man, it could get really twisted really fast. It's something that I can't think of Bioware doing nowadays. Right. Um, and, and the other one was in a uh, a former school. And it was very interesting how they handled that as well, because it was a believable scenario given how they built the world around it. And uh, the, the situation presented to you was, was uh, you know. Wait, I think we're talking about the same place. Oh, we are? Is there also the, it, uh, uh, you're, are, oh, ghosts. not. There was ghosts. Yeah, you Former school or a formal martial art? Is it a former dojo or a former school? It seemed like if I've only played this once, I think it was like a former school. Like, oh, I apologize. I kn- yeah, that is a different one. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, you did interact with ghosts, and it was very touching. I'll say. Yeah. Um, and it was one of those few moments I feel that games truly nail, where when you made like the good side choice, you know, the good right. karma, you were like, that felt good. Yeah. Um, and, and so. And I was doing like a mo- mostly bad guy playthrough that game, and, right. uh, and I will say that even when I. I was just talking about a, a certain mission in the Pirate's Cove. And when I made that bad decision, I actually wanted to reload my game because I felt that bad. And uh, that, like I said, usually I'm like not disconnected, but you know, it doesn't affect me emotionally where I'm like, sure, you know, sure. like, haha, that's funny. You know, look how, look how crazy this game lets you be. Uh, but uh, like there, I was like, wow, fuck, that's awful what I just did. I, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so right. uh, just know that there are some moments in this game. If you're planning on trying this one out, that, uh, a little darker. Some, yeah, a little darker. Offer some good choice and consequence that RPG fans will appreciate. And it's also not a huge commitment. We were talking about Morrowind being a long game, but this yeah, one's about right. 18 to 22 hours, uh, depending on how you play it, how much side content you tackle. Um, it's a very good time, though. Highly recommend it. It's split if, up into about three arcs. Um, and also, you you play KOTOR a lot, so you'll, you'll sort of know this, but there's a lot of similarities to Manan, which is my favorite level in KOTOR mm-hmm. that occur that occur in Jade Empire, including uh, a particular thing where there's a town that's flooded. I don't know if you remember that that quest, but there's and I, I don't even know that might be a side quest, but it's actually. Do you remember you could make the choice to destroy the Colta on Manan? Yes. Uh, you know, you chose between the fucking giant shark, you know, nature versus like the the needs of the Republic. I love the fact that there's a couple of those sort of mimicked in Jade Empire. And I, I get that some people thought they were a little bit copies. They were. Um, but and, and there's certainly the ending. I don't know about you, but I feel the ending is a bit KOTOR-ish. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. a little bit. Yeah. But um, the main bad guy that you deal with through most of it, um, Iron, not, uh, uh, fuck, uh, Death's Hand. That yeah. dude... When he first shows up, man, and the way he talks and the modulation, he is a Japanese Sith to me. Like, that is exactly how he comes across, is a Sith. And so I think that's why I like the game so much, was because it felt familiar due to KOTOR, but at the same time, there, it was real. It was mm-hmm. action, more action-based. Interesting take, yeah. Jade Empire is another good one. 
Uh, mind you, folks, if you're listening and you're like, damn, I want to try this out, uh, they are all available digitally, or you can take your physical copy if you own one, and you can throw it right into your Xbox One X or Xbox One S or Xbox One, whatever you have. Um, now let's talk about some of the Star Wars titles coming back through backwards compatibility. So we have the original Battlefronts. Yeah. The, these are timeless, but also I have to say that... Um, as much as I enjoyed them, I was really excited for EA's original visions for Star Wars Battlefront because it kind of brought to life a lot of what the originals couldn't do due to technology. Yeah. Um, but I have to say that these are also ones that, I mean, this entire list is, you know, the reason we're talking about it is because they're all worth experiencing. It's really a matter of why. Um, and I guess with these original Battlefront games, now it's more so about seeing, like, what these offered versus what the ones nowadays offer, which, you know, if you look at Battlefront 1 versus the originals, it's not even close, you know, but 2 kind of, despite its microtransaction issues, I I felt narrowed the gap. I enjoyed it a lot more in the first one. Yeah. Um, But, you know, if you look at the classics, some of the modes they had, like the heroes versus villains, um, the amount of 16-player co-op, too. Yeah. Do you remember that? Uh, Like, multiple Xboxes can be plugged together. Yeah, that, too. Um, It just, it offered a lot of new stuff that uh, we had never seen before. Um, yeah. The type of game that, despite the campaign being based around just running around shooting AI, <laughs> and it, it being the exact same as the instant action, which, as you can tell, when they tried to mimic that in certain ways in uh, Battlefront 1 and 2 nowadays, it, it didn't work out as well. It was something that worked very well back then because it was a proper execution of the universe itself. But yeah, uh, I'm going off track now. These are ones I've raved about plenty on the podcast. So, Carrick, I'll let you take that one away if you have anything to add onto Battlefront. No, just the facts of that. Um, I think it's two. I could be wrong. One might also do it, but I know we had some of our best multiplayer ever um, local because you can uh, it, it would do LAN-connected gameplay. Mm. And so you could bring Xbox's originals. And I'm assuming this also will work with the one, but you bring people over and you can all play and and just they're, they're really fun multiplayer games. They're single player. You're right. It is. It is really just we're going to pretend there's a campaign by having the multiplayer game be the campaign. But we're yeah. you know we're slightly adjusting the wording. <laughs> so that happened. But mm-hmm. it, it, the thing is, it was actually pretty satisfying to me that game overall. Like the shooting, the respawning, um, the AI. I love the fact that you can play against bots. One mm-hmm. one thing people don't remember is a lot of games don't allow you to play bots. They're, they just don't. There is no bots. It's like you have to go online you know, yeah. to play other people. And so that game still has bots, and they weren't terrible. They're not the best, um, but they were, they were fun. At least. They, they were fun they for its time. A, a big enough threat to yeah. make you want to do the best. It, it was a feel-good game in many ways, though, because you'd always drop like 50 kills and yeah. just absolutely run the lobby, and it would feel good. Um as for KOTOR 2, I could go on about this game forever. As much as I love KOTOR 1, I think KOTOR 2 takes it to a whole other level in many ways, just because of time itself. You know, like, KOTOR 1 will always be my favorite of all time, but 2, I think, has improved in, in so many areas as it's aged. Um, I think that morally gray area that Kreia constantly keeps you in, no matter what you do in the game, uh, is easily one of the best written characters to ever touch video games. I think it has some of the best companions in gaming. Um, it feeds off of KOTOR 1 completely, though. It, it, it's it's Without KOTOR 1, 2 is not as good, in my opinion. But right. I, I think 
Because one is so full of life, and then two is like every everyone's dead, and yeah. everywhere you go, it's like so hollow and. Maybe that was, like, technical things that worked out really well, in my opinion, but it, it just, like, you know, there's just no presence of life almost anywhere, and anywhere you do find something, it's probably trying to kill you. It's unsettling, especially after, like I said, playing the first one. Um, I cannot recommend this one enough. Cannot. And since both are available on BC now, people can, you know, really experience this, and, oh, man. I just I hope a lot of people start like tweeting me and messaging me being like I played it Matt and holy shit um although it ends on a bit of a cliffhanger I won't spoil what happens um it's probably the only glaring flaw I'd say that I when I think of that game the ending sticks out a little bit but what do you think Carrick you, you know you love Car- uh I almost said you love Carrick you love KOTOR 1 it's your favorite game of all time as well yeah what does I- 2 mean to you like so, so you like the gray, uh, you know, Kreia and the gray Jedi, which I like. I love the idea. I think it's awesome. Mm-hmm. But for me, and it was probably just the way I played it. Okay. I always felt that it was too confusing. Like you, I didn't get the idea of the gray. So I was like, oh, she's just mad. She's just completely insane. Like nothing she says is making any kind of sense at all. And then you get to the end and. And even through it, you're as you're playing, you're like, okay, obviously she's just, you know, she as your mentor. We're not ruining anything for people. It's just it's a little bit more gray um, than a Sith versus a, a Jedi kind of thing. But mm-hmm. for some reason, I was just always confused, dude. I don't know why. I liked the game a, a lot, but I just I was always like, what? What's she saying now? Like, what the fuck is she talking about? Also, I like the Sith from the first game more. Okay, uh, and that's, that's interesting. What, what makes yeah, you say that? I don't. I think that this is going to sound weird, but um, what's his name? Nihilus, right? The the mm. modulated. You know, I'm the fucking end of the world. Oh, that's he, Scion. That's Scion. Scion. Thank you. Nihilus I, is the one with the mask who just doesn't say a word but looks. Really oh, sorry. No, yeah. So so first of all, him. The the thing that bothers me about that character is he reminds me almost of 1990s movies anti-heroes where he's just too badass to be badass. Like he's like, I, you know, mm-hmm. the rumors is he's destroyed planets. And what's her name? Kelly, who does his, um, you know, slave chick or whatever, I guess you'd call her. Um, oh, are you talking about in wait, you're talking about the, the, the girl who was with him originally, but then yeah, away, um, yeah, visus or vices. Is that what it, yeah, I've always, I always, um, I never found those guys that interesting. I found them a little bit more in your face mm. than I did the original stuff. Might have just been because of the surprise at the end of Kotor, but yes. it's, it's hard to know. Um, I like the locations, but I also felt that everybody was a copy. It was like, here's a, you know, Chewbacca copy. Here's a Karth Onassi copy. Here's a, and I loved that character. Um, uh, uh, yes, I actually when you, when you are figuring out what he's doing, yeah. oh, that that's right. so fucking that's cool. Said, like, dude, some yeah, of the, some of the reveals like, oh. of that game are insane, and they're like not even a part of the main story. Right, I loved that. It's just that I felt that it was a little too much. Number two, if that makes sense, I get it. like it was just a little too close in its setup. No, I get and, it because so, I think in the initial first look you you see we'll, we'll use that and as an example you're like oh yeah it's this is karth you know he's like your your goofy right. co-pilot although karth's a little more emotional 
and it's more carefree. Yeah, you can see like the the parallels being drawn in, in the style and in how they act. Um, and, but it's like once you dig deeper, which I finally did. You know, it was like one of my many playthroughs. Um, it was my most most recent one though for Kotor two when I found out about Atten. I was like, holy crap! You got to be kidding me! Like I can't believe that I'm just learning this now. Right. And, and then you learn what he can become, and then what the the rest of your party can become. And it's one of the most transformative experiences I think you can have in a game like where you feel like you are the, the center of this conflict and you are either the, the, the one that causes it to bend or break and kind of thing. And I, I think they did that so well. And like I said, it's not even like a main story thing. It's like an all character interaction and world building that they did. Yeah. And yeah. I th- that's why I say, like, you know, I love KOTOR 1. I mean, there's timeless moments in that game through and through. For those who have watched most of my playthrough or my long plays, I call them, for that game, I mean, you saw me pretty much reciting the whole game because I've played it so many times. But 2 has some spectacular moments that uh, I think, you know, time has lent them the ability to develop, where maybe back then people were like, yeah, all right, but, you know, because KOTOR 1 was still fresh. Yeah. And you go back to it, and it's like, oh, shit. Kotor 2 is some, something else, man. That's what I think, at least. Um, last Star Wars title on this backwards compatibility list is Republic Commando. Uh, another Star Wars story with a, a pretty big twist at the end. Um, cliffhanger ending to an extent that everyone was expecting a new entry for. Never got it, but uh, this game's getting some love. Do you enjoy uh, Republic Commando as much as I have? I'm going to be honest, man. I don't remember anything okay. about Public Commando. Isn't that weird? Like, I don't think it was bad or anything. I just, it was a shooter, mm-hmm. and you were the four dudes that you could control, right? You could, like, you can have only them. You control one, but, yeah, you could, like, send the Couldn't you around. order them? Yeah, okay. Um, that's all I remember, man. I, or, no, I, don't you go to Geonosis at one time? Yes, early in the game. It's, like, okay. the first level. Yeah, I, that's it. That's all I. For uh, some reason, I mean, now you're there for a, a pretty big chunk of the first part of the game. Gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, I I like that game a lot, probably because yeah, it's just a, a Star Wars nerd. If anyone could draw anything from this episode of the podcast, they're probably like Jesus. Mm-hmm. I just fucking yeah. like playing Star Wars games clearly. But I mean, I've replayed Republic Commando so many times. Um, I remember I did it like during a 24-hour live stream. I, I played it for my own fun. I played it on my Xbox 360. I played it for like a nostalgia trip series that I used to do on the channel. Like I've, I've played this game so many times. Um, what I appreciated about it most was its grittiness. I remember, you know, the first time I played it as a kid, you know, you, you, they're like, press the right stick or whatever to melee. I'm like, okay. You know, I'm thinking he's going to like, hit him with his elbow or something, a, a fucking knife comes out of his wrist or, or mm-hmm. like, the top of his hand, and he stabs, you know, a, a droid, and, and, like, oil smears across your screen. I said, wait, hold on, what the fuck? This is Star Wars, though. Like, it, you don't see blood. And I'm like, nah, like, when you get to the the Geonosians and or, or however you say it, um, you know, they're not going to have blood, and you stab them, and then there's, there's blood again. I was like, yo, this is mature for a Star Wars game. Right. Uh, so that definitely like caught my interest early on. Even as as a kid, I was like, "That's I like I I wasn't even like like psyched like oh this blood." I was like, "This is different from other Star Wars games," and it kind of drove me on. And like I said, it was like that that ending because they they did a good job building 
the squad that you were traveling with. It was one of the first well done squad shooters um, that you know we we usually look at like a SOCOM or a Ghost Recon as like those types of squad shooter games that you know you tell your your teammates to go and do something and they do it and like that's a rewarding experience. But like I think Republic Commando was one of the first to really get it down and uh, have each member feel distinct. Yeah, biggest that's pet peeve cool. with that game though was uh like for example fixer good with explosives but you could send oh seven i think his name was he was like kind of your sniper you could send him in to do the explosives you could, and it wouldn't change the amount of time it takes to do it or anything along those lines so your your main sniper could be doing explosives and and you could put fixer on an ex, uh, on a sniper tower and he'd be just as good as seven and it's like okay so what's the point of having all of them have these right. diverse... It's like a different personality, but they all have the same skill set. I don't know if it's because they're clones. Like, that was the idea behind it. But uh, it, it definitely disrupted some of the, the gameplay, I felt. But other than that, I, I adored that game so much. And now, it's time for me to shut up and let Carrick run his mouth for a bit as we talk about, last but certainly not least, Lil Bethesda. So P9s did an interview uh, at PAX East 2018. He did multiple ones at that. And he promised that there's going to be new games, new projects. He paused. He's like, look, I'm really excited for this year's E3. He said there's going to be a big mix. I feel there's something for everybody here. And we look we look at previous E3s. We look at this one. Carrick, you hear him say that. Are you hyped? Are you, are you like, oh, I'm going to take this with a grain of salt? What are your initial feelings when he says, like, there's going to be something for everybody and we got new games and new projects coming? I'm I I mean like <laughs> I don't trust them anymore because I've been burned by their E3s. So uh-huh. it's like I'm not I mean Starfield we talked about and stuff like that uh and those have never come about and that's what I want now as you guys have talked about it enough you've sort of sold me on it because mm-hmm. originally I was like eh, whatever you know I, I I wasn't really into it but the thing is is I just don't I feel like every this is going to sound weird but I feel like every time they say that there's going to be something good there isn't and it's the times it's the times when they don't say something and this isn't just Bethesda so we could say this for anybody but it's like the the times when they don't say anything that you get a you get a new game like you get something that you didn't expect to come to you so that's the one thing i'm sort of like nervous about is it is it one of those situations where we're going to get it and go oh or is it going to be nothing no end the no end the uh the the event and you'll just we'll all be in discord going well oh it's over uh-huh that's that's a little bit what i'm nervous about yeah yeah i agree there's a little bit of uh apprehension to be excited from pretty much everyone um for me I, it's like when i heard that you know i like to focus on new because one of the things is that their conferences have become predictable and, and i think last year was the best example of it i think lone and i and you it collectively broken down everything we were going to see at E3 that year, and the only thing we didn't know about was Creation Club. Everything else was kind of like, all right, we knew that was coming, like an Elder Scrolls Online update, Elder Scrolls Legends, uh, Quake Champions, Wolfenstein, The Evil Right, we, right. We, we broke down the whole list, and you and I, in alone, we, we had it all on lock. Uh, this year, though, you know, there's a little bit more mystery. There's a little more intrigue, I feel. Like, are they going to bounce back? I think, you know, the, the door's no. open now for a new Doom. The door's open for a new BGS title, but there's no real leaks about it. There's there's nothing really going around. So I think that's why people are, are starting to ramp up the excitement a little bit. 
because there is a potential there. Uh, since all their other studios are kind of done, Arcane's done something last year. So right. as the Evil Within, or I'm sorry, Tango Game Works. So as uh, Machine Games. Uh, now we have uh, another company that that used to be working on Battlecry, now turned into Bethesda Game Studios Austin. So they've grown again. Um, just with the way products have panned out, Dishonor Two from the other Arcane, it's it's like it's time. It's it, you know where the the big E3 2015 that kind of set the standard that Bethesda was going to be like an E3. It could be an E3 Titan. Um, mm-hmm. It has a chance to repeat that. And I think that's why people are like, this could be a big year. And so when P9 starts talking about that stuff, I feel like that's why some people are more more uh, apt to now get a little more excited about it. At least believe it at least a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, right. Like there's, there's something to go off of. Uh, I think also a little bit is the disbelief that last year was so bad. I think a lot of people still haven't gotten over it. Like that it was just an awful conference and that was it. Like I was st- as stunned as anyone else, but... That's all there was to it. It was just a fucking bad conference. Yeah, that thing was crazy. Yeah, I, it, it, to me, I'm just, I, I just with them in particular, I think that it's easy for a company to get sort of motor set and think that what they're talking about is what everybody else wants to talk about. And I get that that's I, with Bethesda that just seems to happen a little bit more often as of late, where it's like they might be excited about something, might say we're really excited. And then when I see whatever they're talking about, I'm like, oh, okay. Or, you know, shit gets leaked, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's another major thing. Like, everything gets fucking leaked. Everything gets leaked. So that's another thing. How how easy is it going to be for them to surprise us if everything's getting leaked? It may not be even feasible to accept or to expect that kind of surprise. Um, but Starfield's something you've talked about for years you know, it's like that at some point the shit has to start coming out. Mm-hmm. I mean, you would think it's so been yeah, forever. You, yeah, you think you think there's going to be a leak then? No, I'm just saying I'm a little nervous that whatever we think, whatever we we hear is going to be all they're working on. So, and we already have heard the Starfield stuff. So it's like, is that going to be the only thing? Okay. Like so, because right now leaks are so prevalent, dude. Mm-hmm. And, and because we just but, talked about one as our headliner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's insane. And so it's like that's one thing I worry about Bethesda is almost like they're they've got bad leaks in some way. Like somebody there is giving out a lot of data, and so there isn't going to be much surprise they can even offer, even if they tried. Like, so I sort of try to talk myself down into getting. I'm I don't get mad at them because that wouldn't make any sense. But I also don't get depra- or I don't get my expectations too high. Because I'm just, every time it happens, they've let me down. Like, not to be rude, but they have. It's like since Skyrim, since since the hysteria of Skyrim, there has not been anything from Bethesda that has made me sit up and go, oh my god. And I know Fallout 4 did for you guys, and I liked it. But it, it, it didn't have the same, I don't know what you call it. didn't have the same punch. Yeah. And... And it's that's just continued more and more uh, and more. I understand. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why most people are, are approaching a new BGS game with cautious optimism because of the rumor of like, is this AAA fr- freemium title? Is that going to be a oh, that's game? another it, thing. Yeah, it's like, are they trying to cash in on this battle royale thing? You know, that's the other thing is like they're saying there's something for everybody, you know, and that's a new genre. Everyone's about the battle royale stuff. Is that like something for everybody there? 
is something for right. everybody. Your multiplayer shooter in, in, in Quake or in Doom is your something for everybody. Also, an open world game from BGS. Like it, it can, it's such a broad thing that allows for so much speculation. Not only that, but to, not to be rude, I mean, Bethesda's PR, that is Pete, right? Yeah, because yes. there's Pete Hines and then Todd. Pete's known as sort of a jackass. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, he's that's his PR persona. You know, he he sort of says something. So I'm not 100% sure I even believe what he says. Like, I, I don't know why, but he comes across as somebody who sometimes he just says shit. And you're all, okay. Because I'm pretty sure, didn't he just after the rumor came, or after he said there'll be something for everybody, then he told everybody he didn't even remember saying that? Yes. Yeah. He so, he, yeah. He linked the article. Yeah, so it's just like I don't know. You know I, it, they're they're really confusing right now for me. To be See, honest, I personally, I wouldn't call him a a jackass. I'd more well, I don't him. mean jackass in a bad way. I no, mean, I know what you mean. Whatever I'm, the term saying, would be, I would say more like he likes to toy with the audience, and that might lead to disappointment or a lot of excitement, depending on who you are. Yeah, yeah. And um, I don't know if it's a bad thing or a good thing. I personally, like, I don't feed off of it. I'm just like, oh, yeah, he's, he's fucking around with people. I think it keeps things nice and easy. You know, that's one thing that you look at any other industry around us and you don't see things happen like they do in video games. Yeah, so, for sure. So, you know, I, I kind of appreciate that type of approach to, you know, the the biggest, one of the biggest shows in gaming. You know, he's just like, kind of like yeah, I don't even remember I was talking about this. And it's like, I, I don't know. Well, so I, I guess that's, I guess you and I agree. It's just we come out the end in a different way. Yeah. So. So he says that, and so to me, what happens is I, after a long period of time, I start to feel almost burned because it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I said this, but I don't remember saying this, but maybe I said this. And pretty soon, I guess I just, I go, well, I disengage. I'm like, okay. Yeah, you're like, I don't even care anymore. I'm not going to try to figure out. I'm not going to try to figure it out. Yeah. And so when I say jackass, by the way, the reason, one of the reasons why I said that particular word is because he reminds me of, and I don't remember the actors who did jackass, but the main guy. Um, with the black hair, Johnny Knoxville, bu- I think. Yeah, Johnny Knoxville. That where they're <laughs> laugh, they're laughing all the t- like they do stuff to somebody and then they're laughing. They're never me. Mm. It's just like they find slapping somebody with a giant fucking hand hilarious. And I swear to God, that's what he. May- that's what I think when I hear him talk. Like he, he's like me. Uh, that's why I would never do PR. <laughs> I'd just be, I'd be fired probably. But for Bethesda, it works perfect. It's just that over time, it, it becomes a little nerve-wracking, I guess. Because you don't want to get your ex- expectations too high, too, because then they'll never be able to, you know, equal them. Yes, definitely. That's always something that people need to keep in check. But yeah. you know, it's going to be interesting to see what they bring. I mean, the thing is, is what I'm saying is normally, as someone who's worked in the Bethesda fandom for, for many years, a lot of the excitement is self-created. You know, we, we think of something and we're like, this could happen. This fans, has to happen. Yeah, like fans. Yeah. Like we, we go like, this could happen. This has to happen. Oh, my God. Please do it, Bethesda. Right. This time around, there isn't really that creation of like, oh, we're going to, you know, we could do this or they could do that. It's right. Bethesda straight up saying like, yeah, we're trying to live on the promise of E3. We have a lot of new stuff. Big mix. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait. We've been working on this since September. Um, which is another thing that excited me hearing that they've been working on it since September. I know they started earlier than most people imagine, but I think just saying that in general says that like, yeah, we're doing this like way earlier than normal. Like E3 2017 was still pretty 
fresh memory at that point, and they were already yeah. like gearing up for the next show, which says to me like we didn't have everything we needed to have that show, and and we had to start early for the next year's show because it was going to be bigger. Mm-hmm. That's kind of that was my takeaway from that one. Yeah, th- that makes sense. I didn't. I don't. I actually didn't hear the September thing, but that makes sense of what you just said. Like maybe they were, came out of it as well, just like us, and we're mm-hmm. like, hmm. You know that, or maybe they had plans to show something. You always hear that rumor, so I don't yeah. bite. I don't bite it anymore. Same. But you know, you oh, there was something amazing going to be shown. You're like, yeah, okay, whatever. Be Red Dead at yeah, at Sony. right, Sony. <laughs> yeah, and and after a while, you're like, even if it was, it wasn't. Even if it was going to be shown, it wasn't. So it wasn't shown. So who gives a fuck? And you move on. Mm-hmm. But um, I one of the things that is fun is like Bethesda fans, especially for example, like I'll be in your Discord your particular discord yes. and it would be pretty quiet and then somebody will say something about like morrowind and it'll be like fucking 150 <laughs> messages no lie it, it like it doesn't even they look like two separate discords but when bethesda stuff is mentioned you can absolutely tell like just how fired up those people are for for a bethesda they, they, game and people love them oh dude it's and and like you said the self excitement It'll and and talking about the same thing in seven different ways, like a Bioware, almost like a loan with Bioshock, mm-hmm. where you know you can just dive in and and that's to me it's almost more fun to talk to, you know, the fans than it is to really assume I'm going to get anything from them. Like and I'm not talking about Dishonored by the way because you know a lot of us like Dishonored or like the you like the um, expansion a lot. Yes. I'm talking more along the lines of the Bethesda mains so that people know like the mm-hmm. Fallout's and. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we'll see. It's just like I said, though. I feel like because it's being created by the company, not the fans, expectations are going to be set in place, yeah, not right. because of the fans. Like it's it's actually at a point where I'm not going to remove self blame if you're hyping this thing up as the best show ever. You're to blame, but you know, if if Bethesda's saying like, yeah, we're going to do some real exciting shit this year, and it's not exciting shit, then it's just shit, right? So well, I have a question for you. Yep. What if it's not? What if it's not exciting? Yeah, what would you do? How would you feel going forward if we go into this and it's 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 not let's ignore Starfield mm-hmm. or Starfield turns out to not be what we think and there isn't really much how what how would you feel moving forward towards like Bethesda and, and it, I mean it doesn't I treat Bethesda as any other company. So it's like, you know, of course I like their stuff a lot more. I I am more engaged in their content more. But when I approach E3, it's kind of like a universal blank slate. Okay, just try to surprise me. But if it does, like I do, I will say as much. I do have, you know, the idea of like a new BGS title coming, like a game to kind of really start basing some content around. You know, that's an exciting prospect personally. So yeah, if there's nothing there or if that game ends up looking awful, like that would definitely be a lot, a little more deflating than just a flat conference in general. Right. But at the same time, I, I, you know, like once again, sticking with the more personal note, I know I can build my channel off of other games. I've been doing it for years. So it's not like it's going to be super deflating, but it's more so like I'm just excited to see what they're doing next. I always yeah. say companies work best when their backs are against the wall and they're, they're back against the wall with E3. And also Bethesda Game Studios is back against the wall as well. You know, they're with with how RPGs have progressed in certain ways, uh, with like a Divinity, a Witcher. Um, you know, the Witcher comparisons are endless. You know, look, people looking back at <laughs> uh, 
um, what's it called, New Vegas. Like, you know, there there are just a, a lot of expectations for Bethesda to bounce back and, and try to really make a role-playing game, you know, yeah. like, like they had been known to try to do in the past. So, you know, that's why I'm, I'm more curious than anything. And so if they don't come out with anything, I'm going to be... I, I've said... This will answer your question, ultimately. I will ultimately be more surprised if they don't have a game than if they do. Like, I'll still be excited if they do have a game, but I will be more shocked if they don't. Gotcha. That's usually where I sit on it. But uh, that is all we have for this week of the Ham Radio Podcast. It has been a fantastic discussion, as always, Carrick. Yes, for sure. And exciting oh, rumors. we forgot to talk about one game real quick, uh, Red Dead. Red Dead. If, yeah, if you guys yes. get a chance, you, you definitely want to check out Red Dead. It's uh, backwards and enhanced. Yes. Yes, yes, Did you, yes. Are you going to jump back into it? or are you? Because I don't remember how much you played of the original. Um, yes, I am going to. I've, gotcha. been, I've been like in and out of a playthrough, and it's just <sighs> something with Rockstar at times. It's got to get me in the right mood. Oh, yeah, makes sense. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where I, it's also, like I said, I know the, and I won't spoil it for others, I know the ending. I know a lot of, like, the big moments in the game because friends have talked about it around me and I have played some of it. So, you know, it's one of those games where it's like, do I even, I pick it up and I go, do I have to play this? Because I kind of know yeah, right. everything. I'm just kind of here to experience it and say I played it at that point. Okay. Uh, so it's one of those things up in the air. Right now, my, my, my backlog goal is let's beat Morrowind. That's kind of my thing. Oh, gotcha. Oh. Yeah. So then that's that's and from there maybe I'll I'll hit Red Dead because I'll have time in the summer, and uh, yeah, that's where I'm going. But uh, any any final closing thoughts? As we no uh, other than I'm just super excited, dude, because like you're looking at um, PS4, PS4's got VR, VR's dropped in price, Xbox is doing backwards compatible game Game Pass. Mm-hmm. You have Nintendo handheld, so that's sort of. Regard, you know, regardless of anything else, you have that already. It's just a cool. I think it's a very cool time right now because there's so many different little ways in which you can game, and that that they're all pretty fucking good. Which is something I yes. wouldn't have said prior to maybe um, Rabbids or something on the on the Switch. It's like it's just got, it's like it's got better and better. And the fact that if you and I know you don't turn your Xbox on as much, but no. if you have an Xbox, you have. 500 now backwards compatible games yeah. and you have ones that ones that are enhanced that literally look better than remasters that are that you get charged for and then you have the game pass which is super cheap and then with the ps4 you have really good exclusives and with the it's switch you have mobile. everybody yeah it's fucking it's really awesome for people right now because that's not always true in a three-party race. And you know what's great is it's kind of breeding a new culture of uh, positivity in gaming, I feel, because I was reading the comments on my video today, and there really wasn't any, like, elite, fuck Xbox, go PlayStation, or, you know, you know we got God of War, so whatever. Um, it, it was, you know, people saying, like, oh, I'm a PlayStation fan, this is great for Xbox. You know, yeah, like, right, yeah. That kind of yeah. thing, where, you know, because everyone's winning no matter where they are, so they're like, I'm not jealous or upset over what they're getting. I'm happy that they are getting something, because yeah. it's it's led to, you know, I'm getting all these great exclusives. I only own a PlayStation 4. Look at Xbox, you know, people look at the exclusive situation there and go, oh, there's not much going on. And so in turn, you know, they start wanting for something to happen there. And, you know, you see these big backwards compatible titles dropping around the same time as God of War, and you go like, alright, Xbox is getting something. Sweet. 
Yeah. So it, it breeds a, a good type of culture. And uh, the hashtag for this week, I think uh, it's got to be something backwards compatible. Backwards. I was trying. You can't fit it in, but I was uh, like, "Ham Ham Radio Broadcast is now backwards compatible." Would be awesome, but it's way too long. Ham Ham is Ham is BC. Ham is BC. Yeah, there we go. Ham is BC. If you guys want to go ahead and let us know you got to this point in the podcast, do so by tweeting at us, and we will catch you in next week's episode. Peace out.